0: Hey, everyone's fans. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 183. We are recording on June 14th, 2020, and the show is sponsored by betonline.ag. Got a big show today. I'm so, so stoked for this, uh, but at first, I have to welcome in my co-host, Heather Angus. And Heather, what is up? What is up?
2: Nothing. Hello. Happy Sunday. You know, just gathering for the weekly roundtable.
0: Oh, this is, uh, are you pumped for this one?
2: I am super pumped.
0: Yes, yeah, we are too. We have, for a short time today, because um, my scheduling, um, uh, you know, I'm terrible at scheduling things, Uh, always the 11th hour guy. So, um, today we have special guest, Maria from Watertown. She is a frequent caller to 98.5 Sports Hub and WEEI when it comes to Boston Bruins talk. You can follow her on Twitter, at Maria of H2O Town, and she is also a new member of the blackandgoldhockey.com website team. She has pumped out four articles in less than a month. Absolutely crazy. Maria from Watertown, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, girl.
1: Thank you for having me back, and thank you for uh, making me an official member of your team. I'm, I'm very, very excited, very flattered. Um, and you're adding to my uh, self-inflicted notoriety here.
0: <laughs> I love it. And listen, when, when we talked, I was, I was texting, uh, actually going back and forth with you on my break at work. And when you said that you would love to join the team as a, as a writer, I think I, I woke some people up in the next room by, by my excitement. So, uh, so, so pumped to have you aboard. You've done a great job so far. A lot of good content. And uh, it's, it's been easy to edit. Let's put it that way.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's been good to have uh, something to uh, think about outside of uh, all of the other things that we've been forced to think about. So it's, uh, it's been refreshing and almost therapeutic uh, to have the writing as an outlet. And now this opportunity to just jibber jabber with you guys about uh, our favorite topic, hockey in our Boston Bruins.
0: Absolutely. And before we get into the topics, I just wanted to ask, how are you and your family doing with uh, the worldwide issues that are going on right now and the the sport cause? But regardless, uh, hopefully that you guys are all good.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I thank you. I appreciate you asking. Everyone in my family is knock on wood um, healthy. We've all been maintaining our, you know, our day jobs. um, And we've been lucky in that regard that we've all had most of us the opportunity to continue working from home um, seamlessly, um, so that we can stay safe and, you know, watch out for other family members that we have responsibilities, um, over. So uh, all in all, um, my family has, has been very, very good. And I consider ourselves very lucky and very, very thankful, um, at this point.
0: Excellent. Glad to hear it. All right. Let's talk some Bruins hockey before you have to go. Um, the Boston Bruins return to Warrior Ice Arena in small group on ice sessions. This means that they are six per session. These are voluntarily sessions, volunteer sessions actually. So um, thoughts, we'll go from, um, from Maria to Heather, we'll, we'll work in that order uh, moving forward. But um, uh, thoughts on the uh, return to ice, getting ready for a potential return and um, some concerns.
1: Excited that they did enter the, the first phase of their re entry, um, and the fact that you know there are a good number of what seem, you know players that are, are local and willing and anxious to, to get back um, on, on the ice and, and work together. Um, my concern, and I think you and I maybe briefly touched upon this um, back and forth, is I, I was getting a bit. Um, worried that there hadn't been any further information with regard to when the next phase would begin and potential hub cities. And I thought, I hope this isn't somewhat of a tease for us. But um, seemingly, the NHL seems to be ready to take those baby steps to to move forward. Um, And I think it's, it's great from a personal standpoint for people to see some semblance of normalcy coming back um, along with you know the NBA and the and the NHL. I think it's something that um, all of us need even if you're not a sports fan right now is to see um, some step to return to whatever the new norm is going to be at this point in time. So I, I was excited. I was excited to see it. I, I wish you know we could get a little bit more of, of a glimmer into what's been going on, but I think the Bruins uh, website's doing a pretty decent job of providing us little snippets here and there of who's on the
2: ice and and what they're doing when they're there. Yeah, Hello. I was my heart was ready to explode with joy when I saw Bergeron and Marshawn on the ice. Like it's really real. Like they're really there. They're like they're in their uniforms. They're like so. I agree with Maria. We had talked last week about how I think the NHL for once is actually doing things right. They're not getting ahead of themselves. They're taking the baby steps. And now they're saying training camp's July 10th, which is less than a month away. Very exciting. But I I think that's the important thing. It's like not only just as hockey fans, you want hockey back, but just everything has changed. All the coping, the things we used to use to cope, like as people, like sports or movies or whatever, just all that's been blown up. So. And obviously, as a Bruins fan, I'm just pumped. Like, they're really there. They're in town. Things are starting to happen. Woohoo! So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Things are, uh, are certainly starting to happen. Uh, Warrior Ice Arena is just it's, – it's been dormant for so long. And it's good to see that the, uh, some pictures are being leaked out of, of, of what's going on in those sessions. Um, but nonetheless, it's just so good to see. And, and what I really want the Boston Bruins organization to do is, like, record these sessions. Uh, like put a put a live stream cam in there to get everybody pumped up for this even further uh, than these Bruins fans are just to see these pictures. And, and it is it's going um, uh, viral, let's just say, because everybody's excited. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And, and speaking of looking forward to things to do, um, we have to talk about showsponsorbetonline.ag. Uh, There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, soccer, golf, and uh, and leading the way. Betonline.ag has all the best odds, lines, and the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Betonline.ag has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. And we ask that you please use promo code CLNS50 when you do that. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. So, um... With all this being said, we're returning to the ice in slow increments and, and so on. Um, I just wanted to dive into some, another topic that I, I find interesting because of the past and the recent past, I mean, within the year. But can the time off due to the COVID-19 pandemic be a good thing or a bad thing for the Boston Bruins?
1: So to it me, it's never a bad thing to get some of those older legs a little bit of a breather, right? Because when we get to a conventional season and you know we've had the likes of Bergeron and Krejci and Chara, just constantly playing, 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 playing right? And they play hard minutes though. Most of those guys, the core, play really, really hard minutes. And, you you know, you're always wanting the opportunity to just give those guys a little bit of a breather and a little bit of a rest. And we seem to say to ourselves, at least me personally, season after season, when are they going to sit some of these guys? When are they going to rest some of these guys? Now, can there be too much rest? Maybe. But every team is going to be predominantly in the same boat. Every team that is going to be participating in this you know, modified playoff format is going to be asking themselves the same questions. But again, too, in a conventional season, you've got your core players and a majority of your roster. They might have a little tweaky or naggy thing going on. What's the best thing to do for that? Get a little bit of rest. Put your feet up a little bit. You know, just relax. Get yourself back in shape. So I guess if I had to choose, I'd say for the Bruins, I think
0: it's a good
2: thing. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, what Marie was saying. That's all I could think, because especially um, like for the Bruins this season in particular, they went all the way last season. And, I mean, you could say that about St. Louis, some of the other teams that went deep, deep, deep. There was the, – you already get the short off season. And they didn't really have that, oh, hangover, like I played too long kind of thing or actually winning the cup hangover kind of thing. They were out the gate most of the year. They didn't really – they only had a few spots where they were kind of struggling. Like they've had bad games, but like they only, they didn't traditionally have that like four week shutdown mm. where we're all like, Oh good. Let's just, you know, get rid of all those points ahead, you know, that we had gained or whatever. Uh, so I, I agree with that because a lot of the players that have a chronic injury going on because they never get to rest. So it is good. Like Bergeron, maybe this is the first time he can play all the way, you know, and right. not always be literally struggling to. Like, and you don't even know. Like, he doesn't even let you know he's doing it, but he's still continuing to play hard minutes or people like him generally. I do have to say, though, the one thing about the rest is is a catch-22 because although we'll all be on the same playing field, that's kind of one of the things that is going to make this more interesting because traditionally in the playoffs, people are battling, people get injured before the end of the season or whatever, and now everyone's got some of their players coming back. Like, a lot of teams are going to look like more complete teams, and I think... That's going to add to the excitement of it, you know. I'm not worried about us because I do think we're still solid. We're just going to be a little healthier, and I don't know. I mean, Bergeron's legs looked pretty good the other day. When he was on the-
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, I, and for me, it, it's Heather. You just hit, hit the nail on the head with the with the rest and coming off of a Stanley Cup um, against the St. Louis Blues. We want to forget about that, but it's that time frame from when the season technically ended to when the uh, the 1920 season started and how it started for me was, was, was good because you, if you listen to like recent podcasts from like the perfection pod from, with Billy Jaffe and, and uh, Joey McDonald and Fluto, all those guys they have in sessions with uh, Bruce Cassidy, and they're really discussing a lot about keeping in shape and tone and ready for a moment's notice. Now, I think that this, this whole mentality of this rest period and so on is also coming from when they had the original off season, air quote off season, uh, before starting the nineteen twenty campaign, I think that the training staff, the coaching staff, and everybody being on the same page, I think that this could be a very well rested but ready to go cam- uh, Boston Bruins team moving forward. So uh, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I, I, I know for a fact that Tuca Rass does really well when he gets yeah. his rest, mm-hmm. and, and you know this could only be about a possible two-month uh, 2014 playoff. So we could definitely see the best out of him. And we know – we're not haters. We're not good haters here. But we know no. when, when we see somebody like Rask having the rest, we know the potential moving forward.
1: And, you know, look, we, we all talk about this as as hockey fans. When you have your team that has made a very deep playoff run, as the Bruins and the Blues did, you know, what what's the first topic of conversation? generally when the season starts again, playoff hangover, quote-unquote. Well, in, in this instance, right, that's a moot point. There, there should be no playoff hangover. And, you know, for me, maybe I have been was sitting there during the course of the season waiting for that potential wall to be hit by the Boston Bruins. Well, there should be no wall now. Um, there should be no wall. And these 2020 playoffs for the teams that are going to be participating – they should be pretty flippin' phenomenal because you're gonna have stars all healthy and ready to go.
0: Hello, uh, you good to go for Awaken one, uh, 180 re- ad read?
2: I will do my best, my friend. Let me tell you about Awaken 180. When most people think about losing weight, they think exercise, but most of us don't actually exercise. So whether you actually start exercising or not, the results are always the same. Because people don't think about the nutrition, what we put in our bodies. With Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you'll receive customized nutrition plans, weekly one-on-one coaching, and an option to receive up to 80% off of your daily foods to help you lose that weight in your first week, in each additional week until you're down to your ideal weight. During your weight loss transformation, you'll be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat to keep that weight off long-term. As always, Awaken 180 gives you... Free support for life. It worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Dan Ray, Kyle Draper, Andy Gresh, and thousands of others. Now it's your turn to call Awaken 180 Weight Loss and join them. Now I also wanted to let you know that they are the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox. And uh, if you want to check them out, Awaken180weightloss.com is where you find it. But Good things. I hear good things. I know people. Does anybody know anybody who's actually used this? Because it's pretty big in this area. They've got centers all over the place.
0: I know a few people at work that I, use not it. Not just
2: here, but you can yeah. get it outside of New England, too. I do. I do know someone, too, who's had great results. He looks awesome. That's awesome. And I'd like to apologize for a week in 180 weight loss. I lost it there near the end, but <laughs> awesome product. Go check it out.
0: All right. Let's dive back into the Boston Bruins um, topics. This one is a a good one because it 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 just it shows how much hard work uh, a person can go through to get back to what they want to do uh, and have done regularly, but um, the road back to the NHL for Kevin Miller, uh, the Bruins defenseman, has not been easy. He's had constant setbacks, but uh, last week was uh, nominated for the Masterton Trophy. Uh, and um, what are your thoughts on him? Winning it uh, uh, amongst the other 31 candidates uh, in the league, Maria?
1: You know, I, I, I like Kevin Miller. I like him very much. I like his toughness. Um, he's not been known for his offensive abilities um, or what he brings to the table offensively. But, you know, you've got to give this guy some kudos for continuing to, to fight back and fight through each and every one of these of these injuries that that he's had um you know unfortunately we did get the news earlier um that it's unlikely that he's going to be able to complete his comeback in order to to finish finish the season um which which is unfortunate um for him and unfortunate for the team and, and his teammates Um, You know, in looking at the list of of other players who have been nominated for the award, you know, it's very, very difficult, right, to weigh and balance one guy's struggles as opposed to another guy's struggles. And I'm not quite sure, you know, what the criterion is for something like that, but I guess I'd have to say he likely has just as much an opportunity as anybody else does short of potentially, you know, one of these other nominees coming back and making contributions
2: um, to their team this season. This this award's always interesting. You know, I love me the NHL awards Uh, (laughs) because it's given to the player that best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. So yes, it's usually a good comeback story, but it could kind of be just anyone who's done. Um, I think Miller is a really good candidate again we've discussed that nauseam you know with Kevin Miller, but no one can say that dude is not a fighter and he fights and does not give up but I agree with Maria's point that's what I was saying I think what's going to maybe stop him from being one of the top three or four actual you know like finalists because the actual finalists haven't been announced yet is because he hasn't completed the comeback story yet he hasn't there's nothing to point to the last couple seasons have not been good for him you know physically so you can't quite look back and point at that you know like Robin last year when he you know had bounced back so um I don't think he'll end up being one of the finalists finalists but I don't think I think that he's the worthy candidate from our because the um professional hockey writers are the ones that nominate them I think that there probably isn't anyone else that you would want to or could pick from the Bruins to nominate for this award so I think it, it's He's getting his recognition because of his importance, like he, she was saying, to his teammates and to this organization. But I do think not actually getting back on the ice will play out of his favor on this one.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a huge uh, Bruins homer here, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I, not the biggest Kevin Malar fan, uh, you know, but I understand his role on the team. And uh, when he does actually play, it's, it's, it's valuable. I mean, he adds a, an element to that locker room, too. Um, besides just the, the top dogs of, uh, of of Chara and Bergeron and and with the voices in the room, um, but he could be that quiet leader. But um, and and the fight the fight is commendable. Absolutely, uh, kudos to him. But when you look around the league at 31 other teams and you see their stories and their comebacks and and what they're personally going through, I mean, uh, I know Heather mentioned in the in the uh, in our. Uh, pre-show talk about Bobby Ryan, which is a great story coming back yeah. from alcoholism and so on. But I mean, if, if it had, if I had a vote in, in this uh, award at all, I'm, I would have to go with uh Oscar Limbaum from the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. uh, battling back from cancer and so on. And uh, I just heard from so many other people in the podcast world and, and reading articles out of Philly uh, that he's just a tremendous young man and, and he's not giving up. So, uh, that would be, that would be my pick just as a personal thing. And, and, you know, cause a uh, hockey fights cancer and all this stuff, all that, you know, it's just, it's just a terrible disease. And, um, I just hope he comes back and, and remains healthy. So that'd be my pick. Um, let's move on to another topic. Well, let's skip, let's skip two. Um, well, I, cause I want Maria to get involved in this one before she takes off. Uh, 95, the Sports Hub writer Ty Anderson wrote an article yesterday titled "Still Nothing Concrete with Bees Pending Free Agents." Um, so, Oh, this is a we do. This
1: it. is this is a sketchy situation for the. Boston this, is Bruins, yeah. <laughs> this is why I wanted to jump. Um, yeah.
0: This is why I wanted to jump. Yeah, the Boston Bruins uh, technically signing. Yaroslav Halak, to a, a very cap-friendly 2.25 million dollars for one season, uh, brings the cap hit down uh, to probably 18 million dollars. Um, but there's uncertainty with the salary cap being flat for the next season, or potentially two or three after that. So there's a lot of avenues that have to be explored when you're looking at RFAs and UFAs moving forward, and uh, potential I mean you know you need to like get I, in my opinion, tory crew needs to stay. This is, he's a defenseman that doesn't put up i mean he puts up points that a lot of other defensemen don't do uh so it's just like you know there's a small handful of le- uh, guys that are so valuable on the power play um and I think he deserves what what he could get and and he talks he does talk uh discount and so on, but uh, his agent is not there with him so mm-hmm. we'll, see what, we'll see what happens with that but um Don Sweeney did say. Uh, in uh, Ty Anderson's article, and I'm, um, I'm quoting here, uh, we've been, this is Don Sweeney, this, we've been in communication with all our players, all our RFAs and UFAs, Sweeney said, uh, we've been doing a lot of internal planning, obviously with the cap, and where that goes is a bit of an unknown. We're all predicting that it may stay flat, but we don't have confirmation in that regard, so we haven't done anything concrete. Uh, concerns about what he said, and and moving forward with a couple of uh, UFA's RFA's coming up, Maria.
1: Well, if if I'm those UFA's and RFA's, I'm very concerned about what he just said, because you get to that point in your career because you want to get your potential big deal, and with the fact that there's so much uncertainty there. The fact that, listen, you know, we're all pretty smart people, it's highly doubtful that the NHL cap is going to change between now and even the next couple of years. This this is a very different league when you compare it to other leagues in in terms of um, salary structure, revenue structure, and cap structure. They don't have the flexibility money-wise and revenue-wise. As the NBA might, where those guys are getting paid unbelievable sums of money. Um, so you know, if I'm Jake DeBrusk and I'm Tory Krug, I'm a little bit worried, and I'm I'm a little perplexed as to why Halak and Coyle were kind of prioritized in the deal when you know you've got this Tory, you know, you've got Tory Krug. And by all accounts, the organization wants to keep him a Boston Bruins for the rest of his career. He seemingly wants to stay a Boston Bruin for the rest of his career. I'm not quite sure I understand the economics of addressing those guys first and not figuring out how to address Tory Krug. And I do feel bad for Tory Krug because, and any other unrestricted free agent this season, because they're going to take a little bit of a hit. They may have to take a one-year deal, kind of s- swallow some dough for the short term, and then maybe go and get their, their big deal after that. But again, there's still uncertainty even beyond next season with regard to cap hit and revenue resources. Um, I I don't envy those guys at all.
2: Yeah, for me, I think I'm not probably too worried yet only because there's still, it only makes sense when you don't know what's going on. You, you're you not going to go out and start signing contracts with the assumption. Remember last year we started doing that. We assumed it'd be easy to sign uh, Carlo and McAlvoy because the cap was supposed to go up. And then right before I remember we were going to record, we're like, what do you mean? It's only going to be whatever. Right. <laughs> so that being said, just like Maria said, you, I mean, especially like, you know, I want Tori to get money. I want him to take seven ish to stay here, but he does if he can get nine somewhere else, that might have to happen. The problem is, is that all teams are gonna have it's where yes in a traditional free market, you'd be able to go get your nine or whatever. You're not gonna be able to do that this year because no one has any of the money. All the like high end teams that a a player from like Boston or something, you know, you're not gonna all of a sudden probably go live you know, on a team that is struggling. Like, I don't think all of a sudden you, I, oh, is there saying he's going to be a Red Wing because he's from Michigan. But why would he want to go and take $9 million to be on an atrocious team? Because it's going to take a couple years to build that team. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. It would make more sense to take money. But that, like you were saying, it goes for all the free agents. So we don't even know when free agency is going to happen. And I think that's, part of like as the phases go. You know what I mean? So once we actually open training camp, okay, we might actually get revenue into this league, you know, things like that. Before they even decide, we know it's not even going to be until probably October, right? Because the playoffs are most likely going to be August and most of September. You'll have to do the draft at some point, you know. But it is scary and the fact like we haven't locked down. The only thing I'd say about Halak, especially, I mean, I the coil thing was weird to me at the time of why we needed to re sign him when he didn't really need to you know what I mean. But um but Halak, I think, was more just, we do have Tuka one more year. Him and Halak are a great team. They're comfortable with each other. It's the two mil. Like, let's just do it and get that done with so we know that's locked up and we know what we probably, if we assume, we have 18 mil to work with. That's just me. So I'm not too worried because I think all the teams are and all free agents are in this situation. Like, people might just stay on their own teams by default. I was joking with Barry earlier, said – you know what, everyone just has to stay where they are and you have to pay your players their same salary for one more year and we'll reassess this next June. <laughs> you know, but I don't know, yeah. that's just me. Like, obviously I'm nervous because some of these players need to get signed, but they're trying to get the league running again. Like, there are other priorities before free agency. All these guys got their money and their contracts. Let's just get it wrapped up for the season. I don't know, that's just me.
0: For me, it's, it's, it is the priorities and you both have touched on those uh, and what Don Sweeney has done uh, in, his, in his short tenure as a Boston Bruins general manager. But if you look at back at last year, you know, they did the, they did, uh, the free agency on, on time and everything. It, Coronaville didn't happen, as, as everybody uh-huh. knows. But they, they brought in Parlin home, and they brought in Brett Ritchie. And, and I was just like, well, wait a minute. You bring in these guys. And I know they were a million-dollar, under-million-dollar deals and so on, plug-and-plays, blah, blah, blah. But they still spent that money without like, putting it towards Carlo and McAvoy. And those two went all the way to the 11th hour of of starting training camp, got the deals done, though, thank, thank God. It was a bridge deals, obviously, to make it under the cap. But that's the kind of priorities that I, confuses me about Don Sweeney and moving forward, um, especially when you have a, a decent, not the greatest, but a decent prospect pool, that are going to give you 725,000, 925,000 cap hits uh, and also plug and plays. But I, I mean, I, I do understand that you have to get the veterans in there to push the kids and so on. But when it comes down to like locking up a, a player and a long-term player like Carlo and McAvoy, it seems to me that the priorities do get mixed up.
1: Yeah. And and just, I just want to clarify with what regard to what I said concerning um, Coyle and Halak. I'm I'm glad they're going to be, part of this team. Um, I value what they contribute. But like you, Mark, sometimes you scratch your head and you say, okay, like, you know what deals um, and what contracts you had that needed to be addressed. And it seems like you go in kind of a fast, backwards progression to get things done. Now, You know, we get to sit here and talk about it. We're not in the front office making those decisions. And maybe there's a a method to the madness. Maybe there's a plan of somehow clearing off cap space in some way, shape, or form um, after this season is over. And, you know, if if that's what Donnie is going to sit down and look at it and kind of take a, you know, potential Bill Belichickian approach to his roster and say, okay you know, I got to keep this guy, therefore this guy is going to become potentially expendable, then, you know, maybe we can walk back some of of this conversation that we're having. Um, But I just don't see this year where you're going to find the money to provide Krug what his market value is. However, this could be a benefit to the Bruins in that if Tory really wants to stay here, and look at the Bruins as his, you know, career landing spot. Then, you know, do the bridge deal for a year and then let's talk next year. And you've got more time to plan and clear cap space because I think that's all we're going to be talking about over the next two seasons is clearing cap space because I don't see it going up.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Um... Moving on to another topic quickly before you uh, might be touching off, uh, Maria, is the uh, Bruins forward David Pasternak uh, continues his unbelievable year, but uh, more or less its notoriety. He wins the Czech player of the year uh, for his contributions uh, as a Czech player around the world and in the NHL. Um, Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous player and, and so happy to have this type of uh, scoring machine on this Boston Bruins club that we've, it, to me, seems like has been starved to have the the caliber of of him on this t- on this team. So uh, thoughts on on his year and his future. This this young
1: man is quickly becoming um, an elite player in in the National Hockey League. If he's not already not already there yet, um, talk about you know becoming also the future face of the Boston Bruins franchise here. You know, I think, I think right now for me, you know, Bergeron is is the face of that franchise, but uh, this, this young man, he's got the whole package. He's got the whole package going on. Um, And it was a little bit heartbreaking to have the season end so abruptly and not be able to watch this kid get to that 50 goal mark, um, because I think he could have, He could have done that easily and, you know, potentially exceeded that. And um, the Bruins have been starving for a long time for a guy like this on, on the team. You know, we've had those snippets where we thought, you know, Joel Thornton was going to be that guy and Phil Kessel was going to be that guy and Blake Wheeler was going to be that guy. And for one reason or another, it just never seemed to pan out here in Boston. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's refreshing. It's refreshing to see and it's exciting to see and it's awesome for the future um, of the Boston Bruins organization. Yeah, Awesome.
2: awesome. He's just, he's so fun. Like, I think his personality fits well here. Do you know what I mean? Like, We've talked about, like, like you just did a great list. You could add Sagan and many others to that list. Oh, I
1: forgot about him. <laughs> great, I about like, <laughs>
2: skill set, but just some reason. I mean, even like Joe Thornton, right, which wh- he was beloved by many a people, but just, like, something didn't click, right? But Pasta, like, walked in. It's like he found his right fraternity house or whatever. And I think, too, what makes him kind of, We always say like it's like it's a Bruins thing, and I think for him it's it is his story. He is young, and he had to, you know, he did. He wasn't the affluential kid that got to go skate on the good night ice at Phillips Exeter every Sunday, which is fine. But like he's not. He's a kid that he got where he was not just through hard work and perseverance, but standing out. And you know, those kind of players have to. He had all this skill, but he, you know, he didn't probably have all the opportunities that other kids did to be like, like you said, he's becoming one of the league superstars, like not just like an all-star on this team, but he's a kid that they're young players at home going, Oh my God, I want to be pasta. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you see signs in the other places too. And we're on the road and he's just really awesome. Uh, also, I just wanted to mention about this check award. This is no joke. They've been giving it up for 52 years and he is only one behind Hasak only won it five times. So, Pasta, if he wins one more, we'll be tied with him as second. Yager has 12. You know, he's Yager. What was interesting (laughs) about Yager, when he won it four in a row, because Pasta just tied the four in a row, that was in 2005 through eight. So, Yager won it four straight when he was, like, 50. Like, he's crazy. (laughs) um, I just want to say, like, he's becoming more and more elite company, too, right? He, uh, it is sad the season ended uh, it's not, he didn't get his 50. He didn't get a chance to get his 50, you know, and that's what makes that sad. Uh, but he's getting into some elite company. His name is going with some elite company now. Uh, you know, the obvious yeah. of the world, the, the Obies, uh, you know, and yeah. that's great to see too, because he's so damn humble. Like I, it's not like, I don't think he gets like, he's a, he good, but he's just so like, whatever guy, like, you know, let's go play some street hockey. Like it's cool. <laughs> like, and, uh, I like that. I also want to say uh, David Krejci, our other favorite check. He won in 2013. So
0: Nice. Great one mention right the there. are on
2: one team. Can you believe it? No.
0: All right. Um, Maria, you got time for one more? Or you want to get going?
1: No, I got time for one more, my friend.
0: All right. Let's do this one because it's uh, it's it's making a lot of news, and I'm skipping around. Sorry, Heather. I know you ate that.
2: No, that's fine. I was getting rid of that paper. We already did all those ones.
0: All right. Um, On Friday, Boston Bruins uh, general manager had a press conference with the media via Zoom call, uh, and he confirms that a Boston Bruins player tested positive for the coronavirus weeks ago, but has since had two negative tests leading up to Friday's virtual press conference. Um, This is, I mean, it sucks that the individual player had to go through this and, and, and all this testing. But all the te- all teams and all players are going to have to go through this moving forward. This is going to be the protocol, and um, I'm I'm ha- I'm it, I'm not happy for what happened, but I'm happy that everybody is taking this extremely seriously, and it's good that this player uh, was away from the team and away from Warrior Ice Arena um, when all this was going through. So. Uh, he was not in contact with any other player, and, and I just want to uh, touch in before Maria, um, you know, adds her knowledge about this and what she's read. I also just want to say that it's—I don't believe it's good that everybody's asking and 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 really pushing to find out who the player is. Um, per HIPAA, uh, the HIPAA Act, if people know that it, it's a, this is um, this is you know, it's if you don't want it said, you don't have to have it. So I I just don't want to see a player um, get scrutinized for not saying that he has it or anything like that. And the other thing about this whole thing is, is if a player does come out and say, I'm scared, I don't want to play. I also don't want, I also want that player to be respected for his decision and not being a coward for not joining his team. So uh, Maria, thoughts on this whole situation? That's technically, basically, like taking over the news right now.
1: Right, and you know, this piece of information, as as troubling as it is, it's not going to be the first time, and it's not going to be the last time that we'll likely hear about um, a positive test. That this this is part of what. You know these leagues that are having their players re-enter into um, their workforce are are potentially going to be reporting hopefully not often but it it is going to happen and um, I'm with you with regard to the whole who is it who is it thing it's none of your business it's none of your business if the individual chooses to disclose themselves that's all well and good, but it's not up to us to pry and to demand to know who that player is. Um, my my other concern is if these types of instances occur when the teams officially assemble um, to start training camp, and you know you're all out on the ice together, and you administer a test and you discover. That a player is asymptomatic, or a player does happen happen to have it. What happens at that juncture? And I'm sure that league official and medical officials are all working on trying to determine what happens. But it's still a concern, um, and I would think it's a huge concern for the players and their individual families. And you know, I fully support a player and his family if they determine look i'm just not comfortable because of my family circumstances i'm not comfortable playing that's all well and good for me and i don't necessarily need to know who it is either because again that's none of my business that's just how i feel
2: like i said a pittsburgh player tested last week sorry uh and I, agree with you. I know when I had said to you, and then you're like, he came back negative twice, too. And it's like, that's the whole thing, too. We have to keep in mind. You're going to get positive tests. Sometimes you're going to get a false positive, negative. I think it's important, though, that whatever protocols they're planning on using once teams are assembling in the hub cities through this phase and training camp phase, you know, phase three or whatever that is, phase two, I don't remember. They have things that are solid in place, whether that's isolate a player, right? You can test them. I mean, they have to have something in place that they don't have to shut everything down. They can protect everyone's privacy. Cause I agree with you, the whole HIPAA law, the point in the United States, it's a law that says only you and your doctor need to know your business. If you're a minor, maybe your parents. And other than that, only who you disclose that information to. So the Bruins coming out and saying, you know, whatever Joe Smo has, you know, tested positive coronavirus because no one's going to hear that I tested negative twice after, you know, like it's, it. you don't want it to be a PR nightmare because everyone's so focused on the virus already. At the same time, as you get the larger groups of people together, there is a more likelihood that there are. The thing with the, with like athletes that is kind of concerning to me is their age group of like what a professional athlete is, is the exact group that is most asymptomatic. You know what I mean? That because they're in their peak of healthiness, prime of their life, whatever, they tend to be the asymptomatic ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I do respect of a player. I haven't really heard anyone who's too scared to come back or like not scared, but you know what I mean? Like I don't, right. you know, not in a cowardly way, but like in a, it makes sense that you might be a little nervous kind of way, you know, in a pandemic uh, to do that. But I absolutely... The problem with that is opposed to the Corona test, it is going to be hard to not figure out who decided not to come back because you're right.
1: going to know. Like
2: So like if Halak decides, you know what, I'm all set or whatever, I'm not saying he is, like, how are you not going to notice that? No, he's right. So that I think is kind of a strange thing for the players to have to balance. But there's also the decisions to make of like, this is one of the big fights in baseball is at, what should the quarantine, Are you I, if they quarantine them in all these hotels, can they quarantine with their families or can they not? So, like in baseball, it's a big deal to them that they are being asked to kind of just be by themselves for four months, play the season. That's one of the things that they've been fighting about. Has the NHL even decided, you know, can families come? Like, I don't think any of those steps have been, but no one's business needs to be known. Yes, people are going to come back positive. That might not mean that it goes rampant. Hopefully not. I mean, you know, the flus and stuff that go through these locker rooms. I mean, contact sports. Are the scariest thing, right? Even like we're trying to figure out, like I'm on the youth hockey league board, local youth hockey league board. Like, okay, well now that the rinks are open, you can only have X amount of people. Parents yeah. can't even go in there. Only coaches and the kids, you know, like, so I can only imagine what it's like to try and coordinate this, but yes, respect the players. Like it's in the long run, it is a sport. And yes, it's important to a lot of people's livelihoods, but it's also non-essential, right? Is your life or your Potential divorce gonna fall out from if you choose to go do this, while your family feels you're putting them in danger. Kind of th- like none of that needs to happen. But I'm more concerned to see what's gonna happen once they get them in the hub cities. How they're going to quarantine each team with themselves away from all the others, t- even in a giant hotel. That's gonna be hard. I mean, you're gonna have say a hundred people per organization, and that doesn't even include if their families can come. You know, that's know. true. Very strange, I just- but I do think everyone needs to calm down about it, as there hasn't been like if. Multiple players test positive on a team as we do the training camps and stuff, then that's something that maybe you need to pump the brakes again. Your business doesn't need to be out there, right? You know what I mean? But there needs to be a real thing in place, though, to not let things spiral. You know, whether that's everybody, I'm assuming everyone's getting tested at least once a day, mm-hmm. right? A lot of jobs are like that, right? Like when you go into certain jobs, I don't know, I don't know what to say know, because. I don't know what's going on in the front offices. Like I said, we don't get that look because we're fans and we don't have any real, you know, authority. I've never wanted to talk to Gary Bettman so much in my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, I, it seems that the N, the NHL um, follows in for the most part in the footsteps of the NBA and it's seemingly the NBA is being um, extremely um, Conscientious, thorough, and relatively full disclosure with how they plan on a reentry for their their league and their players. Um, nothing nothing is going to be perfect because you know th- this this virus clearly has a mind a mind of its own and is very, very difficult to contain. Um, ha- you know Having said that. If, if players are willing, those players that are willing to take that opportunity and return to their work environment in, in a safe and pragmatic way, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it.
0: Awesome. Well, Maria, thank you so much for the time today. I really, really appreciate that. And thank you so much for, uh, coming aboard the Black and website team, you have busted out some really good articles, and I look forward to your future scribes. Um, you could follow Maria on Twitter at Maria of H2O Town, and uh, thanks again, Maria. This has, been, this has been a great forty, forty-seven, almost fifty minutes. We really appreciate that. And next time, I won't drop the ball, and we'll get you we'll get you scheduled for a whole program if you if you'd like to come. Oh,
1: back. I'd love that, yeah, if you want to have me back, um I very much uh, I'd like to do that and uh, again, it's been it's been fun. I appreciate the time, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity um and I'm very, very flattered to be part of the team. Heather, it was awesome to meet you and see you, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Yes,
2: yeah, I'm very excited. i'm a, I mean, I was very excited just that you were coming on to write for Mark and stuff. He has great writers there, and again, you're very well thought out talker on this subject and you know I, I, that that was the worst speech that i've ever said but you know what i mean like you're <laughs> very informative and you're you're like you know all of us you're perfect for bng right an informed fan with real real thought uh thoughts i don't know just we're not the kids that are just complaining and like again eh, took the worst ah. we aren't those oh, kind of fans please. so i'm very yeah. happy to have you with us, and certainly next time, I hope you're with us the whole time. I said, "I, I, I was like, mm, what, like, what's going on?" So, then you can come up with some topics and stump Mark. <laughs> oh, I was. So Maybe
1: we could gang up on him, Heather. That could be good, uh, good podcast material. Gang oh, up on Mark. That's
2: <laughs> what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> oh boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You might start drinking next time.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. I don't care if there's a threshold. It's it's noon somewhere. (laughs) All right, Maria. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely have you back on very soon. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully that golf game's going good. That
1: was good yesterday. Let's see what happens tomorrow afternoon. Thanks again, guys. It was awesome to talk to you.
0: Bye, Maria. Take care. Bye. All right, that was Maria from Watertown. She is absolutely amazing. I love her, and and you know we we're we're huge fans. Uh, please go to blackandgoldhockey.com website. She's got some good articles that she uh, released in the past month, and uh, we're working together to get her up to speed and and hopefully posting on her own. But it's it's a it's it, you know it's a learning curve. All the new people that have joined the blackandgoldhockey.com dot com website, it's just it, they're good additions. But, um, you know, there's a little training process that goes on to get the structure down and so on. And once you, this consistency, you, I mean, she could bust, bust out 10 articles a week. I don't care. I'm going to read them all. Just, it's good stuff. So it was, it was really good to have her on. Such a great uh, talker, communicator. She knows her stuff. So that, and that's why uh, she was one of the priorities this week. So.
2: Well, I'm glad you know the word communicator because I said talker. I literally could <laughs> not think of a word. I'm like, what's that thing when you I don't know. Wow, I stumped you on a word. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Using those fancy words like communicator. Right. Um, Can, I'm sorry, before we do anything else, can I just jump back to the Masterson thing real quick? The Masterson, yes. On the argument of, um, like, one I absolutely... Philly is on my list for the like, you know, finalists or whatever. I think partly that's as a Bruins fan. We remember Phil Kessel being a young player and coming down, you know, and just the watching the fight to get back to, you know, your potential and your, what your livelihood. But I would also like to make an argument for Shea Weber. Um, I know he's on Montreal now. It's not his fault, but that dude has trucked for a long time in this league. He's a great captain. And he obviously went through some injuries the last few years to come. back. You know, uh, I don't think the winner necessarily has to reflect the team they're on. And uh, I just would like to just, I don't know why I was spacing out on the paper for a second. I'd just like to say, I would like to argue, just like I was saying, Joe Thornton might get it because sometimes they give it to you for, you know, again, just your perseverance. I would then add Shay Weber to that list because if that's the kind of win they give out this year, he deserves it,
0: I think. Cool sure and and, then
2: I don't know why I just was like and he was injured
0: for most of the season too if I'm not mistaken so this this break uh actually probably benefited him to come back I don't know if he's if he's actually going to be coming back this soon but who knows um sorry it's okay no worries that's what we're doing It's, it's Bruins talk you know but uh jumping back to the topics and and to get I don't, I didn't think that this was a uh, such a major thing to talk about. And that's kind of why I wanted to jump around on the topics list while we add Maria. Um, but um former Bruins forward, Brandon Brochensky uh, who's been retired for a short time now has been elected mayor of Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota. Um, so it's kind of cool that, I mean, he didn't spend a lot of time in Boston. He was one of those projects that the Boston Bruins um, traded for. And they traded, I thought, a, a pretty decent asset. Um, but I was, I was, you know, high on Bochensky in the AHL before he came to Boston. But the price was Chris Versteeg. And Versteeg and recently retired too. But, um, you know, he had a really good uh, college career at, at North Dakota for the Fighting Sioux before the name change and, uh, and had a good minor pro career. But when it came to the NHL, he just didn't have those numbers. I know he got into like, uh, I think it was like oh, 100 and something games and, and just didn't produce what you know his potential was. And then went over to the KHL and then just really uh, got a hold of his scoring knack uh, that he had in the minor pros and in the collegiate level. And uh, and retired, you know, and and basically played so much over in uh, the KHL that you know he became a citizen over there, so uh, he he's he was able to play in their national tournaments and so on as a as a dual citizen. So I just wanted to like shout out to uh, Brandon Wojcicki on winning uh, the uh, you know the election uh, for mayor of Grand Forks, and he actually knocked off, I believe it was a woman uh, that was. Uh, it could be a male, too, I'm not sure, but uh, that was on the board for 20 years, so uh, obviously, changes needed to be made. And and um, you know, I never knew that the guy had a, any political career, so uh, it's good on him.
2: Well, I well, congratulations for becoming mayor. You know, uh, knocking off an incumbent that sits there that long is so a lot that's pretty good in politics in this country. We tend to leave the same people there unnecessarily, sometimes over and over. So, good change for the. People of Forks have spoken, uh, and I just want to say it's good, too, because a lot of times one of the big things they talk about with the mental health of professional athletes is that many of them their whole lives have been elitist players and have had kind of people schedule them and given them you know, and not that they don't know that there's time after the sport, but pretty much unless you go into a path of kind of coaching or going to the front up office off, yeah, <laughs> of, of that sport, <laughs> you know. A lot of players struggle with what to do after. So it's nice to see that, you know, again, it didn't work out in the, uh, again, in the AHL, like he did have great, you know, in the mind pros and didn't translate, but he still finished out his professional career, had that and had ambitions for something else, gave him, I think it's important for everybody, right, to have, like, before you graduate high school, you should have some kind of plan on what you're going to do after that. And after, you know, so after you finish one career, even if you're retiring from a career after 60 years, you should probably have a plan to what to do, you know, kind of thing. So it's nice to see him finding a passion outside of the sport. You know what I mean? Like, he gave all he could give to this area. So now he has some other dreams that he wants to fulfill. And he's a professional athlete. So he's still relatively young. Who knows? Maybe i will have a 30-year political career maybe he'll be we'll see him as senator from North Dakota at some point
0: you know and looking back at his past and where he came from it it, it was he's not from a town he's from a township which I believe is kind of like a on the premises of a a plantation is that fair
2: no what it is is really is that like you have to have like a certain amount of people I think I think it's like a district thing I don't know what in North Dakota it is but like it's kind of like how we have towns in cities and they make up the counties that make up whatever. So every state's a little different. So a lot of townships are like places that don't have enough. Um, usually, I don't know, like if there's an, not enough people to like warrant a full blown, uh, like board and mayor and all that, they might work with the other smaller, not quite full kind of size towns that would carry all of the weight of um Maybe there might even be like the township might be a bunch of little towns together made up into to make like an administrative center. I'm not explaining myself very well. Does that make sense, though? Well,
0: well, let me just let me tell you that the numbers are kind of jiving with what you're talking about, because when he graduated in 2000, there were under 30 members in the town.
2: Yeah. So that's what I mean. So like the township, like there'd be whatever all the little towns it'd be like if amesbury's kind of like the um regional school right so all right. the towns go to the in that school district represents all those individual towns that's i think usually but all those towns individual are, towns
0: are also funding that regional school
2: right and the same thing so like obviously if you have 30 people in your town you don't have enough to support your own police and school and fire so like all these little towns would pull their money into a administrative system usually like a township or something it's more popular like we live in a pretty populated area, but in like rural, there's a lot of places in rural America, as you know, you could drive eight miles and not even see another human. So,
0: right. Yeah. yeah a so long that was
2: bus ride. That's a long bus ride. If you're busing in kids, there's only 30 people in a yeah. whole town.
0: Yeah. I guess it's a huge farming community. And, and that's uh, what yeah. he did is he worked on the farm until the age of 18, when he went to uh, North Dakota, which was, uh, Grand Forks is another, you know, I think it's about three hours away from Blaine Township, where he, uh, where he graduated. So no, good on him political career, you know, it's just, you know, you need something else to do after your playing career. So why not go into politics, but and If you uh, have
2: a knack for change in leadership, and like, we need it in this country, like, it's a running thing, not just obviously what's going on, but generally, like, our republic is only as healthy as the people who are leading us, you know what I mean? And if you can make real meaningful change and you have a skill for that and a passion for that, it's nice to see people execute that because I don't think civil services is as valued as it should be in this country. You know, that's what part of what makes us healthy. That's super cheesy, but true.
0: Great point. And real quick, let's just touch on this one, a little fun thing for this, uh Brenda Bochensky tale uh, okay. of the topic. Um, who on this current Bruins team, do you think could hold an elected position, president, mayor, you know, house, whatever, doesn't matter.
2: Um, this was really hard actually thinking about it. Cause there's a lot of really good personalities and stuff, but, um, so I, there's a lot of candidates that would be good politicians because of the way they represent themselves. Even, uh, you know, the Brad Marchands of the world, he's really good on social media, you know, like he, he would be a good modern day politician. Uh, most politicians have to be loved and hated, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that Zidane O'Chara would be one hell of a mayor of the city of Boston someday. Do you know what I mean? Just like, he is just, he's so wise. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like we feel like our leaders are wise anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, maybe obviously he can't be president because he's not a, you know, a natural born citizen or whatever, but uh, same thing with Marshawn or whatever. But I don't know. I, those are the two that I think, cause I think that like if you took the, both of them and put them together they would be like the perfect politician like do you know what I mean like little schemey on one side great face thing but then like wise uh and tempest. like you need to have someone who's level-headed you can't have someone who's just making decisions on the fly and a little cr- you know at My, I don't know it sounds like a cartoon but it's real life in many places in the world of how people are so that those are the two that I thought of, but I don't know. Everyone says that Kevin Miller would be a great likely, you know. So I don't well, know him enough a, about him, but maybe he'd be really good at that as well.
0: He's a solid American, absolutely. Um, but my my choice would definitely be for president, okay. and it would be a person that is probably not going to get it because he was born in Finland. But it's too Kyun. And uh, the, my reason why is it's like seemingly everybody hates Trump. Oh. Tuka, everybody hates Tuka Rask for some unknown reason. They, there's so much hate for this guy. So he'd fit right into the political uh, aspect of uh, of presidency in this country. So I, that's just my thought. And it's fun. We're just having fun with this. I'm not like, I'm not a political guy. I hate politics, but.
2: I was trying uh, to imagine you tagger hats, like trying yeah. to turn like the MAGA into Tuka Rask of some <laughs> kind. Oh, I wish I knew that. I would have thought of something good <laughs> earlier. Now that's. I was thinking it'd be like Clinton in 92, right? He's like, he listens to heavy metal. Remember, it was a big deal because like Clinton played the saxophone. Right, right
0: exactly. Heavy metal. He plays the drums, which I'm a drummer myself. Can't see the drums in the background, but it's there. Um,
2: I know, I crashed into it a few times in my life.
0: <laughs> I know, when we were doing on uh, in-studio in sessions, uh, yeah. Back like, then, way back then, like <laughs> hundred years <days> ago.
2: <laughs>
0: All right. World. We have come up to about an hour. Do you want to take a break? you want to just keep going?
2: Um, I could use just like a five minute break.
0: All right. Let's, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from the store next door up in Halifax. In the Halifax. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yarmouth, Nova Scotia area. And they make awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, with uh, recycled hockey sticks and a bunch of other things, you could follow them at the store dot ca go to the website check out all their stuff it's it's really cool made from special people and uh, and it's good stuff so we'll hear from them and we'll be right back
3: there's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job so we set out to create a business to fill those needs one stick at a time
0: And we're back after hearing a great, great um, commercial from the great folks at the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Please go to their website, thestorenextdoor.ca, get yourself some really, really cool stuff. They're made from uh, special needs people, but they, they, they have meaningful lives and, and, and they get a paycheck for doing it. But it's just it's just great that these people have an avenue for those folks to go and um and earn some money and just be like everybody else. We are all one here. So um, coming back at you, uh, let's jump right into uh, some ask B and Gs. We got one, and it's from my boy, uh, the a co-host for the Big Bad Bruins podcast. Uh, you can follow them uh, basically everywhere. Great, great podcast. They've had unbelievable guests. Uh, former Boston Bruins alumni. And uh, it's it's been good and it's going to get better. So, um, Chris Blackie at Chris underscore Blackie on Twitter asks, uh, what will it take for Bruce Cassidy to win the Jack Adams award this season? Interesting that he says that. Um, for me, I, I'm obviously going to have the, the homerism kicking in on this one. Yeah, I do too. I mean, the guy was having an unbelievable season so far. Behind the bench of an unreal team that got them 100 points, so he's always going to be a top runner for me. But I find that a lot of the times when this award is given out, it's it's coming from a coach that like got somebody from the bottom of the conference. You know, it's almost like that feel good thing. Like, oh, he had this team at this point in time, but the next season got him to the Cup final, and he's automatically almost like a a given for the award, but I'd like to see consistency. I mean, Bruce Cassidy has come into this organization with, with his guns blaring and said that, you know, you're going to be accountable for your actions and we're going to work as a family here to get a, a, a job done and get back in the Stanley Cup finals and win it. So, um, yeah, of course I'm always going to be uh, pulling for Bruce. Um, I don't see another coach. I mean, I could see Philly's coach, um, Michael Tarian, uh, I believe that's his name, uh, coming in and, and grabbing it. But, you know, got the old bias going on. What are your thoughts, Heather?
2: No, my thoughts are just that. Like you said, I, I love me the NHL awards. I don't pretend like I don't. I know they're nothing, But I think part of the thing is the league doesn't – Coach of the Year annoys me because – It doesn't. It's always given to the underdog, like you said. Like, oh, and I'm not saying that's not impressive. Like uh, last year with Barube, right? Like your team, you went like it was a crap show when you walked in there, and you won a Stanley Cup. So good on you. But um, like last year, John Cooper was the best coach in hockey overall. If you're gonna look at his team, whatever before the postseason, just statistically. But those people never win because no one coaches it's very strange coaches get blamed for everything when it's bad but no one says hey good job coach when your team is awesome like do you know what I mean like and uh that's that's what it'll take for him to win. when it doesn't have to be the underdog it doesn't have to be like the worst of first it does when you actually look around sometimes go wow this dude's team has put up x amount of points in the last two years they went to the final they won the president's trophy the next year whatever like maybe he's just the best coach because his team's the best and he's the best coach and that I mean there are other arguments I mean we've seen that many years I'm not just saying that because of Cassidy and I think I'm kind of not a homer on Cassidy I feel like I'm unbiased when it comes to him but sometimes when you look just the best coach is the best coach and they happen to also have the best team and they shouldn't be penalized for that like I feel like sometimes you have to either be coach with the hottest mess of a team and like that, well that doesn't necessarily make you the best coach. Like you know what I mean? There could be other changes. Maybe there were player personnel changes and other things. But conversely, like you know, you might not be the best you might be the best team in the year. You might actually have a shitty coach and you just really have a lot of good talent. So you know I I just feel like a lot of times sometimes the obvious choice gets ignored because people like a good underdog story or whatever. What I write like um yeah it's always got to be the comeback kid. Like I can't stand that. Like It's just, sometimes you just have to say, hey man, like your team's been awesome for two straight seasons. So why don't we give you credit for that and maybe recognize, especially like Bruce Cassidy, like he's, this is, he's still like young NHL coach. It's not like he's some of these other coaches that have been around and it's their third or fourth round. And then, you know, maybe you might argue on their merits of what you've seen over the years, them personally having a comeback as well. But like Cassidy's kind of, good, bad, or ugly come off the gate and been consistent for a year. And the team has been consistent. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I know it can be argued that the Bruins as an organization have been pretty consistent over the last 15 years. We've had obviously some ugly little blurps here and there, but overall from Claude to Cassie, the, I think the um, status of the Bruins had didn't really change, right? Maybe the method and the style, like there was the blood, and like you had to kind of get back up to that crazy compete level that the Bruins had to, help set the standard for in the league for a little bit there too. Even if they weren't winning championships necessary. So I do think that Cassidy should be a finalist. I think he should have won last year personally. And again, I'm not a giant. I like Cassidy. I I appreciate he's my coach. I'm glad he coaches us and not somebody else. But if we're looking at it as a fan, like I can't imagine other people aren't looking around like, man, I wish we had Cassidy sometimes like, you know, just the way the resiliency or whatever.
0: Yeah. Even as an intern, he, um, you know, when, when Claude got fired, I mean, he got the, I mean, he was part of the team going into the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs with the against the Ottawa Senators in the first round. Obviously we know what happened there, but then that consistency, like you talked about the post-season, the, we've, the Bruins have been there. So, you know, they're all, the moving parts are all there for this team to be just a, a truck and, and, and the future parts are there too, obviously. Um you know, he's he's so good with developmental, the developmental side of coaching with a young player because he's communicating and so on. And then and obviously that even got like something I that might be my homerism talking. But when you hear stuff about Cassidy and what he's doing differently, like like in the perfection party, he, he mentioned something about an older player. And I want to say it's Shara, but the name was never, never, uh never came out that the older player was just like, you know, you got to get more involved with the younger guys. And he goes, really? And he goes, yeah. He's like, well, he's like, it's not the old time hockey anymore. When the old, the younger guy comes in and he has to earn your trust to sit next to him and talk to him, just go over and do it. You know, it's like, and, and Cassie really took a part of that and just like moved forward with, with younger athletes. So I think that it's those small things that you hear about in the locker room and on the ice that, That make him such a a good coach in my opinion you know what i mean he's probably not the best probably not gonna win it but you know he's still up for consideration of the things that he's done
2: i think too it again because i do feel like i'm unbiased when it comes to cassie but i think one thing that's interesting and people don't talk about enough because i think it in sports and in life we just kind of like chapters right like there was the whatever. Like there are plenty of chapters in coaching and Bruins in our lifetime that we just never want to think about again, right? Like some of the things, uh, but like one thing I think that Cassidy doesn't get enough credit for, and a lot of times a new coach comes in and again, he was a coach in the system. So he wasn't like someone totally from the outside, right? He was helping get the players get ready for claw or whatever.
0: Six years in Providence.
2: Right. And he, he was his assistant for seven months. You know, so like, I, you know how I feel about that. I feel like there were certain people in administration that wedged that working relationship and didn't help perpetuate what happened with the team, you know. Um, but Cassidy didn't blow up the system when he came in. He took over the system. And he. Because, again, the players were kind of the same player. You know what I mean? Like, the, the con, you know, we've had the system going. He implemented his system, but he didn't get rid of... A lot of times coaches wipe it all out. Well, if there's stuff that is working, right? Like, you know, not everything that Julian was doing was wrong, right? It was part of the backbone of the team. So what I don't think he's gotten enough credit for, and I'm sure there are other coaches that have done this, is sure he implemented his own system and boxed it and thing, but he didn't break up the shit that was working. You know what I mean? He said, okay, this had been working for a long time. Now it's dipping. How do we get it back up, right? And Yeah. I think that he doesn't get enough credit for because that's hard to do, especially when you do most hockey coaches don't serve 10 term, you know, 10 years in one organization. Like that is few and far between even the greats and that I don't think he gets, I'm sorry. And I just said that seven times, but I really do because I think in Bruins minds, we have this weird disconnect about because of how we were feeling when that all went down with the coaching change and stuff and the factions, we tend to not remember it actually was a pretty seamless transition. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, we were lucky as a team, we did not have to become the Detroit Red Wings to be able to pick ourselves back up. You know what I mean? It was sliding, There was meaningful change, but as an organization, we didn't change that much. And the yeah. values were the same from both and that work ethic even, you know what I mean? So
0: just, just to add on to what you're saying, Heather, um, and look at the, look at the timeline and when you came in. Ruins went on a run to like squeak into the playoffs. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the same time, which is weird timing too, by the way, that Anton Hudobin finally woke up that season and decided uh, to show what he did the year past. Yeah, um, Hudobin's
2: a weird goaltender in that. Yeah,
0: he's, yeah. they're all goaltenders. It's like
2: sometimes there. he's like up here, like this year. I'm like, why do I keep seeing his name on these lists again? Like, what? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I mean, it was just a – it just seemed like so many small things that you look at, and you're just like, wow, th- th- look at this player. He's changed. I wonder if it was the coaching or if there was something in the room or whatever. So, but anyway.
2: I just mean, uh, like, fundamentally, like, our core players are still the same core play. You know what I mean? Like, our players haven't really changed. Sure, maybe your motivation, maybe your whatever. Yeah. Um, I I do want to say, though, that first season when we had the split, like, Statistically, as a team, we were either making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. Like, yeah, you get the like burst when you have a coach, but like that team in itself was struggling. On it wasn't just maybe the coaching; it was kind of like the team was having a hard time clicking where it should. The injuries, yeah. like whatever, like that. Because
0: then, then they win like the um, the next ten of thirteen to to well, finish. Yeah, there the wasn't season? much.
2: There weren't many regular season games no, left. there coaching.
0: wasn't. It was almost like Coronaville hit back then, right around that time frame. We had 12 games left, something like that. And
2: that. That's like a good point, though. Like when we were talking about Toronto last week, right, about how like the coaching change was good for Toronto, right? Like Bab's had to go, whatever. But now that it's been around a little bit, you kind of have to wash out and see really, though, you still have to. And that's the same thing I happen with, I think, Cassidy and Claude, right? So, again, you take the best of what we already have as an organization from the AHL up. And then you fix what's broken. You know what I mean? You implement. And not always, like you said, there's been no, like, major giant changes, right? Like, uh, little things. That's really what, you know, big changes don't always help. Little changes, though, can always make improvements. And now, like we talked about, now it's been his team. So now this is Cassidy's team. Uh, But fundamentally, I think that the system the Bruins have in place or what's expected from the top from what comes from the bottom that has been very consistent. I think that's why we continue to be one of the top eight teams every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just- but
0: I mean, you, you bring up Toronto, you bring up Sheldon Keefe. He's a young, he's a kind of a, a, a developmental coach too. Right. Uh, you know, he's only got a year or two in the NHL right now. So, I mean, now the Toronto, Kyle Dubas and the Toronto organization are going to have to like start building through your system and so on. You want a guy like Sheldon Keefe to be involved in that but you also have time to now make the adjustments to your roster on the fly.
2: Well, I, but that's the difference though, is that the Bruins are, I'm again, I'm not trying to compare the two, but if you're going to use kind of like you have an experience, you know, in the change, the difference is, is that the ball never totally, the ball didn't stay stagnant for the Bruins, right? Like 13, we, we're in the finals with Chicago 14th, you know, like there's a little strong going on thing, but we went back up. You know what I mean? We yep. won the president's trophy. and Like it fluctuate. Then it was kind of becoming flat because we had a weird area too, where some of the guys down there were not helping when they came up. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And we talked about this. Sometimes the young player isn't not getting the minutes because the coach doesn't trust him. Sometimes the young guy can't handle it when he's up. When you need him in the crucial times, like when you're trying to in the home stretch. So that's all I mean though, is that, Sorry, but everybody knows Sheldon Keith is like a boys' club appointee, right? Like, yeah, because know, he, like, was,
0: he was Dubas's right. guy in the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds.
2: Right. And he had the Marleys and all of that. But isn't that kind of the point of what I'm saying, though? Is Cassidy, what came from the Providence Bruins, had the young guys just as Keith, you know? And again, Sheldon Keith is young. Who knows? Maybe they'll be different. But I feel the difference is, as an organization, the, Bru- the Bruins didn't blow it up but allowed the space for Cassidy to make changes, right? But in Toronto, I feel like they're still continuing to do the same. You know, So unless I see them sign some defense, this yeah, free agency yeah. and stuff, they, they're just going to keep spinning their wheels of having all the parts that did, or like the Rangers did, right? They had all these parts. Yeah, there were plenty of times they could have been the cup winners, right? Since 94. But it kept mm, and thing and flight. Like it wasn't. And they had to do a little rearranging. And now look at them. Like you said, suddenly the Rangers until December, you were like, oh, damn, Rangers, like, you're not doing what we thought. Suddenly, a pretty solid team with some pretty good, again, you need the levels, you need the veterans, you need those solid like middle, you know, in their prime players, and you need the young kids to learn and like, just be the people like, screw it, like, I shouldn't even be here anyways, you know?
0: I feel feel so dirty talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think I'm going to go like gargle isopropanol alcohol.
2: (laughs) How do you think I felt when I brought up Shea Weber? (laughs) Well, he's not... (laughs) not on the team i still imagine him to be on but uh i'm still confused about that deal i'm still confused about that trade
0: Why would i you know what now you're talking about shea Weber. you know you're bringing up a memory do you remember the office sheet for with philly oh yeah that was in, such a nightmare from going <laughs> from nashville and then they off sheet him for like that ridiculous amount of money and then it got backtracked double down whatever <laughs> you want to call it it was just a night it was like it almost reminded me of what happened with um oh what's Oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was going to go to Montreal from, oh, was it Ajo? Yeah, Sebastian Sebastian Ajo from uh, Carolina. Carolina. Oh, yeah. Jesus, another nightmare. I think there
2: should be more offer sheets. I think that's great. Like, he wasn't going to sign in Montreal, but Montreal's like, fuck it, I know we have these offer sheets. No one ever wants to use them, but hey, we'll pay you. We could use you. And we got money.
0: I listening to the um the Thirty One Thoughts podcast in the past five, six weeks, I heard Jeff Merrick and, and Elliot Friedman saying this could be a year for office sheets.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because no one has any money. Like we were talking about with Maria, like you it sucks being a free agent this year on some level, especially high end free agents. I mean, there's a lot of like middle guys that'll be perfectly happy to get their little bump and like, yeah, I'll be around. Oh, yeah. you. When you have like some of these like you might not have anywhere else to go. Like I said, maybe we should just say, you know what, everyone gets a year, contract extension, we keep the cap the same, no one has to worry about that. You have all of next year for us as a league and you as a team to figure out your money. That'll make me happy. Because one, I know Tory Krug will be a pro in next season. And two, and not just him, obviously, we
0: went over the list. But
2: yeah, that was a crazy off the rails thing. But anyways, Thanks, Chris Blackie, for giving yeah, us
0: that. Was, that was a long yeah. long-ass segment. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: I think it's all going to come down to them. Fi- like Every now and then, NHL, to legitima- legitimize it, you have yeah. to just say, you've been the best pocket coach for the last 24 months, so maybe we should let you just have the award. And what is it going to hurt if you let them have the award? Like,
0: right. You have to everybody. All the haters out there bitching. But anyway, um, let's talk about some – Boston Bruins prospects, and it seems like four of them that are in the system worldwide are probably going to get off to a, a start to the 2021 uh, regular, their respective regular seasons over there in their home countries. Bruins prospects in Europe that are currently under contract to play for at least next year, possibly next two years. Uh, defenseman Linus Arneson, he plays for five just Fargestad BK, that's a Swedish hockey league. Uh, last season in 52 games played, he had six goals, seven assists, 13 points. Um, defenseman Victor Berglund, high on him. He played for Modo Hockey in the Elsvenskan <laughs> League. It's a Swedish league. He had 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 numbers in 52 games played last season. Uh, defenseman Emil Johansson. He played for the HB71 club. It's a Swedish Hockey League team. He had two goals, four assists, six points in 51 games played. And forward Matthias Mantevici, I probably hacked that. He played for Saipa uh, in the Finnish Liga League. And he had three goals, three assists, six points in 42 games played. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is it seems like the curve, I'm going to call it the curve of coronavirus. Has gone down in these particular countries, and they're uh, going to start in either late. I know the Swedish Hockey League was starting on September twenty uh, September nineteenth. The um, Elsvenken... I can't say these terrible words, but if that you league. You
2: sent it to me. I could help you.
0: Shut up. Um, <laughs> the that that particular league that Victor Bergelin is. Uh, they say that he's scheduled to. A week earlier, man, I'm hacking this. Uh, but anyway, it's good that these these kids get get to go. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is um, obviously when there's a there's a training camp before the season. Um, I don't think that any of these players should attend, even though they they have the right to challenge for a, a roster spot, even in the a- 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 American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. Um, with everything that's going on and the uncertainty of when an NHL training camp is actually going to happen, these four that are contracted to play elsewhere, so just go, just go, bite your lip for a season, let's get everything over in North America all straightened out um, and then come back after the following season. You still wouldn't be under contract. You might even be um, off- not officiated but qualified for continued service in the uh, Bruins organization. so, just stay over there and continue to develop because it's just it's a mess over here and it's it's day-to-day planning it's just it's on the fly so when you have something locked down and guaranteed like this and it's just going to benefit these young players and their development moving forward go for it
2: well and i mean correct me if i'm wrong because obviously you're the prospect guy but i'm not you know totally in the dark but none of these four are are probably going to reasonably challenge for, unless roster spots open, they're not going to reasonably challenge for a Providence spot, probably anyways, and certainly probably not the big club. Some of the guys down in Providence have a hard enough time trying to get their mark there. So developmentally, that's good because you know that they have a place that they are going to be playing and developing and they're not, you know, I agree with you. Like I don't, The traditional, like, kind of prospect after the draft camps and those kind of things, those aren't going to be the same this year. You know what I mean? And the invites probably aren't going to be as thick. One, because they're going to try to probably keep the organization – however they end up doing it through these playoffs, they're going to probably try to keep the players – you know, they're going to do the contact tracing and all that throughout. You know what I mean? So in that off-season, whatever we get, uh, between the playoffs and the start. So it just seems safety wise to me that it would only make sense that if they, any club, if they're not going to reasonably challenge for a roster spot, why would you want to add to the amount of people that you already are going to have at these camps? You know what I mean? Because yeah, by then, you know, you already, like we've gone in the morning of like training camps. I mean, even when they do them in sessions, there's still like 20 people on the ice each session, which obviously we can't do right now, but one would think one September, October, Hopefully you could do it. Uh, It just doesn't make sense to have to add. We don't know what the flying situation will be. We don't know if the second wave is. So it's like, instead of making it more complicated later, you know what I mean? Limit it now, make it reasonable. Now I'm not trying to, anybody who wants to be, invite a player to a camp. I'm not saying don't do that. But I think that all squads should really reassess, like who is honestly probably AHL, NHL ready. You know what I mean? Like who would benefit from the tryout? But if you've already got a contract, you know, like maybe, you know, just
0: do the the year. With that being brought up, what you're talking about, none of these guys are signed to entry level deals. So the Bruins have their rights only up till about, I think, 27 years old and then they can become free agents and go anywhere. Um, But there is some kind of little freaking contract, but it's not entry level. So they they'd have to honestly their limit or ceiling right now would be to fight for a spot on the Providence Bruins roster and if these guys if, if, and I know um european players if they're not like available or an avenue to get to the NHL they're going to stay over there they're going to play over there where they're known and they you know they they're playing against men but they they're countrymen and so on so you know it's just like Carl Soderberg back in the day. Bruins traded Hanu Tiovenen, the goaltender, for his rights, not the player, for his rights. And then they, the Bruins went to Soderberg camp and said, go to the AHL. He said no. And then he went next year. Go to the AHL. No. And then the final year, when he was 27 years old, they said, it's either go to the AHL, we're going to lose you. And he's like, I'm not going to come over until they, they, they actually gave him an NHL contract. And then he came over so the one-eyed Swede. You remember him?
2: Yeah. I was actually like, wow, this is a reference, guy." That's (laughs) what I was thinking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's how it kind of works. They're not not under contract right now. They just have their rights. But it's good that they can have the option to go back. And and, and with these leagues having their schedules already set in place and not like, you know, we're going to come around to playing maybe in this time frame, it just tells me that these guys are ready to rock and roll. Numbers have gone down in their respective countries. They're doing the right things to get it back. I don't believe any of these events overseas in any of these leagues that I mentioned, that particularly do have, Boston Bruins prospects, are going to actually have fans in the building. I think that's going to be a thing for at least a season. There's Uh, been
2: very few places I've heard are allowing fans in. Like, you know, like there are very few... um, leagues that are really open so again that's another thing we got to kind of you do have to kind of wait and see right what happens once you start reopening just a lot with the teams alone right and see what that's going to do um obviously certain sports uh lend itself probably easier to letting fans back in the stands again football baseball again again but baseball might never exist again the way the crap's going down with them they're so stupid all the money yeah I love baseball, but you hit a goddamn ball with a bat. It's not like you're doing brain surgery. You're still making – like, to me, it's so greedy, like, at this point. And for once, it's not the league owners, it's the players. And also, I still hold, like, no offense to, like, MLB today, but you are not the MLB of 20 years ago. You do not have the – you know what I mean? Whatever. Hockey is – and even basketball, right – Those sports are inside. Those are going to cause a whole different set of problems to let fans back in the building. So I think at least in closed arena sports, that's probably, like you said, going to be at least a year or at least until the start of next year. Do you know what I mean? Like these leagues are going to come back without fans. And then who knows, maybe after New Year's or whatever, after we've seen second wave, whatever. And who knows, you know, but the problem is, is that if you're going to let fans in, you're going to have to be able to do it in all the places you can't just say okay well new york you still can't but you know that's fine san jose you can't like you you can't yeah. have discrepancy in revenue that way maybe maybe in like the nhl or something because you do have league revenue sharing yeah as opposed to, straight. Go down to florida
0: go down to florida they don't have any fans anyway
2: yeah exactly oh my god could you imagine the bruins played in florida for a whole, how happy they'd be they wouldn't be cold it just
0: <laughs> speaking of that Speaking of that, way to, way to segue into my last topic. We have about 20 minutes to go before I have well, – not even. Um, we have about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, rumors of the NHL hub cities for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Participating teams from the Eastern Conference playing in a Western hub and vice versa with the West Conference playoff teams playing in a hub on the Eastern side of the United States. Uh, not sure if a Canadian city will be in the fold. I think that this is going to be an American dollar thing and they're going to, the league needs to um, really, really scrape and grind to get every dollar from the loss because I'm hearing it's billions in the last two and a half months that of this pause and Coronaville. Um, but this is intriguing to me because a lot of people are bitching about uh, the idea of Toronto being a hub city. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, they have their league office there so it's. And this is Mike Matheson he writes for the uh, Edmonton Oilers and uh says that you know this is going to take away from that now they can't be a home team no home yeah. field no home ice advantage which is really good so well, um man. hearing right now that the if you know, the Bruins are in the playoffs but hearing right now that the Las Vegas area uh Viva Las Vegas is 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 a huge huge spot for NHL interest right now, and they're making a big pitch. So is Columbus.
2: The problem is uh, you're not – no one's going to be happy. Like, every city is going to want the revenue. But I think it's kind of a moot point this year. There's not going to be fans, right? I can see the argument you don't – like, I do think it would be unfair if uh, the Garden was one of the hub – you know, places, you know, again, using that as an example, we know it won't be Boston, but you know, there's a lot of college rinks around. There's a lot of, you know, you got the garden itself, whatever kind of thing. Um, just for like practice spaces, whatever that you can kind of keep contained. If you have them on their special bus that goes from exactly their location to exactly that location and back or whatever. Um, it would be unfair for the Bruins to get to play on their home ice. Do you know what I mean? in the comforts or whatever. Now there are probably plenty of hub cities that don't have a team that's playing in the playoffs, but do have facilities that could support it. Maybe you might consider picking two sides that two cities that don't, you know, it might grow a little interest in those areas, you know, having the attention on their city. Everybody loves, right? That's why when you're at a concert and they're like, hello, Boston, you're like, yeah, Boston. They've been saying the same thing, 500 nights in a row, just adding the city, you know? Uh, but like, no offense to Edmonton guy. He's probably partly bitching because Edmonton really wants to be one of the hub cities. But I gotta be honest, from a league point of view, that's probably doesn't suit their needs. I mean, yes, it's isolated in the middle of nowhere, but it also doesn't really suit their needs for other things, right? Like, um, maybe even just like what if there's a major outbreak goes on, like medical capacity, things like that. Do you know what I mean? And obviously the way healthcare works differently back and forth across the border like that could be i i agree with you i think it's going to be two american cities because the canadian dollar is struggling right now the u.s to obviously our economy is struggling too but the dollar is still more like the dollar strength should be where the canadian dollars looking more like when we were kids right when we used mm-hmm. to be like oh i'm gonna go cash in my money and get twice as much money you know just kidding it was i'm upset. gonna get me a loony. It was like 75% or whatever. Oh, I remember yeah. when I was a kid and we were going to Michigan and we drove across Ontario and in Buffalo, the guy tried to give me Canadian change. And my father was like, you go back and you get in an American. <laughs> no, no, you're not giving me half the change back because my eight-year-old's cashing out. But- hey,
0: is that is that when you had Elf and he was an illegal alien? That
2: was. That was the one we coming back the other way from Michigan <laughs> into Ontario. Elf from Elmac. Should I tell the story real quick?
0: Sure. Real quick.
2: Just kidding. I had my elf from Melmac. I'm a kid from the 80s. And when the Canadian agent asked my father if we had any illegal aliens to he asked him if elf counted. And they did not think that was funny. Which, For a (laughs) long time, I thought all Canadians were not very nice because of that one guard, which is weird because I grew up in New England. I know lots of Canadians. (laughs) I don't know why, but that one guy for a long time put me on notice like, wow, you know, everyone thinks Canadians are so nice. Well, let me tell you about this lady. (laughs) not
0: nice i I always i always remember that i mean i was a huge Alf fan and so on oh my god
2: i love Alf. we have all four seasons if you ever want to
0: borrow i used to love how he he was uh the cat yeah lucky (laughs) he's gonna make a blt i'm gonna make a blt a bacon lucky tomato sandwich so yeah i miss those days i love growing up man
2: sucks getting old yeah it does but every now and then I like to throw on Gem and the Holograms and pretend it's still 1987. Seven
0: oh boy. Don't sing. No singing.
2: Oh please. Like you've sang. Like uh, well,
0: no, that's why I'm a drummer. That's why I'm a drummer. I sing my... for
2: joy, not for American Idol. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it makes sense. Uh, either if you can't find real neutral sites, meaning not attached to any of the teams, then it is important that you flop them so that you're not as I guess um, the whole point is so you're not as comfortable or know the arena as well. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. it would make sense to flop which side goes where uh, that's just me. Right. That's what the whole put the East and the East. But that also is kind of like, what's the argument is Vegas, technically the West, like math, mat, like we were saying, I would lump them in to like the Western side I mean after a certain point like all the teams are on this side and then there's like a handful on this side of the Rockies but I don't know I think though that it's hard for them to even choose the cities yet because everything's reopening you have to see what happens in each city you know like Vegas might be a good idea but Vegas hasn't even they're just starting to open up their casinos and stuff so like Vegas itself hasn't even really been open you know Uh, an argument against Vegas might be because it is such a tourist city and it's been closed. Are people going to influx there? Then that's a lot of like movement and traffic you can't control as opposed to like a Columbus, which is a smaller kind of like not just city, but just doesn't have necessarily all the traffic coming in and out of it, like a New York or a Boston or a Vegas or an LA for that matter. Right. Like, you know, but that is another thing they can do is they can pick two hub cities of teams that aren't in the playoffs there are 16 that aren't there or whatever 17 yeah, as long
0: as they room. as long as they fit the league's requirements of at least uh four locker rooms in yeah. the facility a training a training rink that's close by or on site uh yeah. and and hotels and blah 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 that obviously would be locked down to the uh, general public and the league would rent them all in their restaurants as well so I just hope it works because I want it to. I want, it, I want I need some hockey. Need some so far, hockey. it's looking good. Yeah, so it's far, really so really real, good. It's
2: really happening. They can come home now. And
0: as long as the uh, the health health officials sign off and give the word go, the NHL has to have a plan in place. And this is what has been going on leading up to these 2014 playoff uh, talks and potential. Is is this, once it's once it's word go. Then the hub cities are going to be mentioned. Then the schedules are going to come out. But until then, we're just all up in haywire as to where the league is actually going to go and when it's going to start and if it's going to uh, coincide with the, the, uh, the upcoming 2021 season. So, so many, so many moving parts going on. But
2: They're definitely going to try and do all 82 games next year. Condensed. Oh, hell yeah.
0: Because yeah, they already know they they've are. already they talked about the getting, rid of the, getting rid of the all-star game, the bye week. You're probably going to have a lot more back-to-backs in these in, in this upcoming yeah. season. So it's all going to be congested into, into getting it done in definitely 82 games because you take another hit, 12 games per team, 181. Yeah. That is like you're losing billions of dollars league-wide. Can't happen again.
2: Yeah, Well, that's part of why the biggest loss right now, you can see the numbers, is because the playoffs is where they make their money. The playoffs yep. is where people come in. I was thinking, though, that one of the things, though, about kind of hockey having almost like a a year-and-a-half straight kind of schedule sort of thing going on is you might actually be able to – we always talk about, like, hockey, the problem with hockey is they only market to hockey fans. Like, you need to – like, if you want – there are no real casual fans. Like hockey is a sport you either watch hockey or you don't watch hockey, right? Now, there are different levels. Like I love the NHL, so I'm going to watch many of the teams if I can, right? You know right. that Some people only like their team or maybe the people like immediately that affect them. So maybe there are Bruins fans out there that only give a crap what's going on with the Rangers or Toronto. You know, like cities near us, your rival cities. But this is an opportunity, especially with baseball dropping the damn ball. They're already struggling to keep people's interests. Again, I argue because when I was a kid, baseball took two and a half hours to play. And now it's a five hour event because they won't just, if you're going to let them take all the time in the world, put a stupid pitch clock, like, sorry. (laughs) But the point is, is that hockey is, I love baseball, but it is boring, right? Hockey is exciting. Kids like you, just like we talked about, kids don't watch boxing anymore. They watch UFC. Hockey is almost like UFC, but with pads, helmets. Did they decide about face shields? Are they going to have to wear it? We I have
0: any no idea. Still talks? ongoing no. talks. No. Uh, they're NHL. still, I know,
2: making those decisions. We don't know. Our kids, even the youth league, they might not be able to do cages anymore. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. But again, I do applaud them for taking it step by step and not getting ahead of themselves, too. Because it sucks to be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then just kidding. It's Easier to not open it than it is to shut it down after once it opens, you know. Exactly. All so, right. I would think sometime by mid-July, what after the first week of training camps, we're going to know the cities. We're going to know the start date, August 5th, whatever. Yep. Also, I knew hockey to come back. Just one last thing. I cannot deal with any more redrafts. I hate redrafts. I thought it was Mount Rushmore's I hated, but it turns out redrafts suck. You know why redrafts suck? Because all a draft is is based on the information provided at that point. Obviously, if you take – well, not like an Alex Ovechkin, who is the same guy, but you're going to. Obviously – probably change in your lineup after you play the thing because some of those first round don't even make it sorry i can't redraft one more redraft 2003 let's go back and redraft 1972 uh, when was the first draft sorry
0: all right we gotta end it right there because i want to make sure that i get this on a certain platform that we use but uh we do have to mention our, our patreon uh contributions and and those folks that have done it so far we thank you very much We continue to have our our account going. So if you want to contribute, it's $1 per episode. And we have these pucks, these pucks, wherever I'm pointing, these pucks and and shirts and other pucks. So we're going to have a ton of stuff. We're going to, we have an inventory growing. So I also want to mention the podcast and writing opportunities for the blackandgohockey.com website. If you want to start a podcast and join our network, let's get involved, talk over the summer. And we'll do that. If you want to write for us, please go to Black and Gold Hockey blog at gmail.com and let me know uh, a little bit about yourself and your writing experience. And uh, also, I want to mention the YouTube channel. Please go to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, the, the YouTube channel, and uh, just click and like. We, we're, we're going to be doing these every week moving forward and, uh, and other fun videos too. So with that being said, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for retweets all that fun stuff. Want to thank Maria from Watertown. Please follow her on Twitter at Maria of H2O town. Fantastic guest with us. We can't wait to have her back on uh, for a little more time and some more topics. Hopefully we'll be talking about Augie the next time she comes on. Thank you, Heather, for your time. You're always a class act. You know that.
2: I try. Thank you for having me again. And look at us. We're three in a row, baby.
0: That's a hat trick.
2: Yes. Finally, but, a natural hat trick too you know.
0: exactly but thanks again everybody for listening we really appreciate it and we will be back next week for some more Bruins hockey talk we will be clawing and, and scraping our way to get some content just like we did for this week and probably a really good guest who knows but I'm going to my dad's next week for vacation so I'm not totally sure what's going on we will let you know but anyway hey, I take, know huh? now
2: we can at least talk even if we can't record back in the day we had to only be in studio
0: that's exactly right. Technology. Now, even if you
2: can't record it and edit it. We can still at least talk for now.
0: That's true. All right. We will talk to you guys next week. Potentially, maybe we'll see. Love you. Peace out.
2: Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast.